everybody. Welcome to Rick Six, Season 2, Episode 6. We are back here with Preston. Go ahead and say what's up, man. What's up, guys? Today we're going to be doing an NBA midseason talk video. So we're going to be announcing the top five MVP candidates, the top five NBA teams throughout the midseason, the most surprising team from East and West, the most disappointing team from the East and West, and then the most underrated from the East and West. So Preston... Kind of getting it's March now, so we're getting into the March Madness. So, but we had to get this NBA video in. I have to ask you: Can you at least say that you're more into the NBA season than you were in December when it started? Yeah, there's a lot of exciting storylines, unfortunate injuries, um, and a lot of drama that is going to be exciting to see. And um, as far as free agency goes, and these teams trying to make last minute moves in order to build their teams for the playoffs in sort of this um this arms race so to speak that's all very exciting and the trade lines come wait did the trade deadline trade deadline passed right i thought it was on the 24th let me double check though yeah trade because no normally it's like right at the all-star game yeah but everything um, is so weird right but now. yeah everything's different this year so yeah nba Mar- trade line march yeah. 25th march 25th but NBA trade deadline coming up by the 25th. So, you know, obviously we'll expect to see some trades before then from some of these title contenders and some free agency signings. I know Blake Griffin signed with the Nets. Then we got LaMarcus Aldridge on the market and the potential for Andre Drummond to be on the market as well. So all very exciting news heading into the midpoint of the season. Well, it looks like the Lakers might be getting Andre Drummond if it's something that you can make happen, I say you do it because the Lakers aren't playing as well as they want to. I know AD has been out since February, but at the same time, the team that they had and you know the free agency additions that they got, we thought that they were going to be a lot better, and that hasn't been quite the case. They're still a top three team in the West right now, so that, and they still have the best player in the world, and they're going to get AD back. But after seeing what the Nets have done with the trading and the free agency signings, it's almost like, okay, well, it comes to a point where you got to try to get at least one more player if you can. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the big thing, you know, especially after the Blake Griffin signing. And throughout the season, we've seen that without AD, we need another big. Um, AD doesn't even really play as a big when he's out on the floor. He, he plays as a stretch four. Um, that's able to do a little bit of everything. That's not to diminish what he does on the defensive or offensive end. It just is what it is. That's how we like to play. We like to play a little bit bigger and not run AD at the five. Now, Marcus all, I really liked him as a pickup, but I liked him because I thought that we were going to keep Dwight Howard. Now we lost Dwight Howard and that's a big piece for us that we lost. We also lost JaVale McGee. And so our depth at the center position has been really poor. The Nets uh, as well. And, you know, they were lucky to be able to pick up Blake Griffin. Now with LaMarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond, both out on the market, if I, we were to only get one, I would obviously want Andre Drummond because we need that athleticism. We need that rebounding. We need that de- uh, defensive presence on the weak side. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge would be another good asset if we could get both, but I doubt that's going to happen. I expect the Nets to get one of these guys as well. Yeah, as a Mass fan, I would like to have Andre Drummond because that seems to be our team need right now is rebounding. We kind of play KB the same way that y'all play AD, except in the sense that AD can actually, when he needs to go down low, he can. And he's actually a way better defender than KP obviously is. So, I, And KP is also 7'2", and he 
freaking pulls up from three point line a lot. So there's ways that you can use a stretch four, and you guys do it at least to a good extent. Like we don't. I don't know why the Mavs don't run Porzingis at the five. You saw when the Knicks ran him at the five, he was way more productive um, out there in New York. And that's saying something. If he was productive with the Knicks, I mean, that's a telltale sign that maybe you should try running them at the five, but I don't know. That's just me. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's go ahead and get on into this. I think we should start with the top five MVP candidates. So Preston, I'll start us off. This, I mean, you could say in a particular order, but it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, these are the top five MVP candidates, in my opinion. They're going to fluctuate for more for most people. I did mention honorable mentions. I do have a top 10 list, so I'll mention, I'll mention those guys as well. But this is my top five right now. So, I mean, yes, you can say one through five doesn't really matter because they're all interchangeable. But at the same time, I think number one is pretty clear, at least for me. I think it's Joel Embiid right now. I mean, there's not really much more you can say. He's had five 40-point games this season, averaging nearly 30 points per game, 11 rebounds, 1.3 blocks, and 1.3 steals. He's been great on the offensive side and the defensive side. Preston, I know you were talking to me a little bit about last year or last week uh, when he got that fifth uh, 40-point game, and you were saying that it didn't seem like the NBA now could build around a center, and it's starting to look like that. Joel Embiid is kind of changing that narrative and he's kind of proving the doubters wrong. And, you know, the narrative for the 76ers the past few years is, well, they're a great regular season team, but they can't put it together in the playoffs because Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid hasn't been able to work out. You know, whether you say that Ben Simmons just can't run the floor with Embiid or Embiid just clogs up the paint. I mean, however you feel with those two guys, it's always one is the problem, you know? And so this year it's been a little bit different from Joel Embiid's standpoint. He's been able to really get down low, get rebounds, play great on the defense and offensive side. And that's what happens when you're able to stay healthy because his biggest concern for his NBA career is he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And he actually ended up getting hurt last night, uh, hyperextended his knee in a game versus the Wizards. They, they did end up winning by like 27 points, but Thankfully, the MRI showed that it is no structural damage to his knee. He hyperextended it, but just bone bruise. He will be reevaluated in two weeks. So good news for Embiid. He's going to still be able to have a chance to win the MVP because being injured is one bad thing, but just kind of being like, you know, taking your MVP away when you're having such a good season is even worse too. So happy that he's going to be okay. He's my number one. Number two, I think it's another center who we talk about all the time. In my opinion, I mean, right now I can't argue it, but I still think when they're all at their best, I think Jokic is the best uh, center in the league, averaging almost 27 points per game, 11 rebounds, uh, 8.6 assists, 1.6 steals per game. So he's been able to to play really well, <laughs> point forward, whatever you want to call him. He moves the ball super well. He can actually shoot very well. You know, the Nuggets maybe aren't as good as people thought they were. I mean, especially with the performance that they had in the playoffs this past year, but they still have been able to play good basketball. I think they're hovering around the sixth seed right now in the West, fifth seed. And Jokic has been a good part of that. When he's at his best, I think he's better than Embiid. But right now, there's no arguing that Embiid is the best center in the league right now. Number three, LeBron James, best player in the world. Always going to be a top three, top five MVP candidate, even if he doesn't win it every year. Uh, kind of feel bad for him. I mean, he's kind of doing all the work right now. But at the same time, it's still the Lakers. They still need to play better than they are right now. You can hate on LeBron all they all you want, but at the end of the day, AD was still leading that team in every statistical category last season. So you you got to remember how how much of a big part AD is to this team. 
And so LeBron is kind of having to do all the work right now. And, you know, everything with load managing too, it's not going to be that easy for him to go out there and, and carry a team when he's what, 36 years old now. So LeBron, he's doing what he can right now. 25 and a half, eight assists, eight rebounds. I mean, at age 36, that's still very impressive. So he's number three, number four, I got James Harden. I think ever since he's been on the nets, he has been a X factor for them. I mean, Katie's been hurt. He hurt his hamstring. He's been out since February. Kyrie Irving has been kind of on and off, but he's been back and playing better now. But James Harden, ever since he's been with the Nets, 25 and a half points per game, nearly nine rebounds, 11.2 assists. I think the most impressive thing about that is he's almost, almost averaging nine rebounds as a shooting guard. And yes, the Nets don't have a lot of big men that can get a lot of rebounds, so he's able to, to kind of fill that role. But at the same time, as a shooting guard, I mean, that's pretty impressive, putting up almost nine rebounds per game and 11.2 assists. And, and he's been playing point. Yeah, and he's been running point guard. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's been even better for them. So James Harden, I think he snuck his way in there as a top five MVP candidate. And then number five right here, this is, could be interchangeable. You could say Kawhi, Giannis, KD, but KD's been hurt, so I can see why you don't have him in the top five. He's not in my top five personally anymore because he has been hurt, uh, but I'm going to go with Steph Curry. I mean, nearly 30 points per game, 5.4 rebounds, 6.2 assists, and he's carrying a team that has been underperforming this year. He seems like he's the only guy out there that wants to win. He was very frustrated the other night when they got blown out by the Clippers, so he's still proving that even after that injury and have not having superstars around him, that he is still very effective. He's still the best point guard in the league and he can still go off for 40 to 50 points a game every night if he has to. So Curry's up there in my MVP. He won't win it, not even close to winning it, but he has to be up there in the MVP talks. And like I said, Kawhi Leonard had a shaky start to the NBA season, but ever since then he's been going off the past few games. You got Giannis, you got Luca, who's been making his way back up there. He, he's in the top 10. Damian Lillard, lights out shooter, most clutchest player in the NBA right now, not even a debate. And then KD, who has been hurt when he was on, he was a top five MVP candidate. So that is my list. Yeah, solid list. My list is kind of similar. I have one dark horse in there that you do not have, though. Number one, I've got Joel Embiid, same as you, uh, for a lot of the same reasons that you already stated. He's just been playing amazing, and he's been changing the narrative as far as centers in the NBA, along with Jokic. It's surprising that you see a lot of these. It's tough to find centers like them, first of all, coming up in the draft. But you see what a lot of guys like Mike Smith and what just NBA GMs are looking at in the draft. And it's very interesting that they aren't searching for players like Embiid, like Jokic. They're looking more for that Bam Adebayo type player. And you've seen that with Evan Mobley. Not as big of a frame, but he's got an amazing skill set. So, yeah, that, that's my only concern with him is, is his frame. He's not very big. He's tall and lengthy, but not very big. Can move very well. Anyways, back to Joel Embiid. He's just been playing out of his mind. And I think this is a no-brainer if he is able to get healthy and finish out the season playing the way he's been playing. And I think a big thing that Doc Rivers has done, first of all, is take control of the team. He's been able to command the respect of the players, unlike Brett Brown, who was just terrible for a number of years. And also they had more shooters. They got Steph Curry or not Steph Curry, Seth Curry. And they got Danny Green out there. Seth Curry has been playing phenomenal this season. And we talked about they needed to stretch the floor. 
Um, Tobias Harris has been the key to that team, though. I would go far as to say he's their second best player on the offensive end. Obviously, Ben Simmons is a beast on the defensive end, but Tobias Harris has been a big key for that team this year. He's been overshadowed by Ben Simmons, so want to give him his due. So Joel Embiid, number one. Number two, I got LeBron James. I got LeBron James because even without Anthony Davis, he still has them um, as number three in the West, and he has been playing actually a lot of minutes for someone at his age, and he's been able to carry them to a decent amount of wins. Obviously, they had those losses initially when AD was out, um, but they've been winning as of late. Number three, I've got Nikola Jokic. He's been having an insane season as well. You know, at his best, I'd agree with you. He's right there with Joel Embiid as the best centers in the league. That The way Embiid's been playing this year, it's a toss-up. Once again, it's, it's only his health um, that's kind of been holding Embiid back in his career. And then number four, I've actually got Giannis Antetokounmpo up in this conversation. He's been having the insane numbers that he's always been having, but I, I don't think he'll be in the MVP conversation until he can show us he can do something in the playoffs. So um, I've got him there simply because back-to-back MVP, and he's been having similar numbers to what he had during those MVP seasons. Now, my number five is going to come as a bit of a shock, but I've got Chris Paul in there. And the reason I have Chris Paul, you look at the numbers that he's been having this year. The numbers don't necessarily pop off the charts outside of the assists, but what he's done for that team is, is undisputed. They added him in the offseason. I'll give you that. They, because I was thinking about this when I was writing my list down. And I was like, you know what? I could have Chris Paul in the top 10. But I'm like, maybe not statistically, but what he's done for the Suns. Because the Suns are second in the West right now. And, and look, mm-hmm. what, look what he did with the Thunder when they had, what, like a .003 chance of making the playoffs. And they ended up being, a what, a fifth seed? Like, yeah. Yeah, and now he's taking another team that didn't make the playoffs, and they're they're the number two team oh, in the haven't West. Made the, haven't made the playoffs in ten years, in fact. Second exactly. longest, second longest drop behind the Sacramento Kings, which is fourteen, by the way. And the case that you can make as far as the statistics go is: look at Steve's Nash numbers from his MVP seasons. Chris Paul is averaging more points per game than Steve Nash did, and he's right up there as far as all the other statistics go as well. So. That's why that's my case for CP3. I know he's probably not going to get it, especially if Embiid gets healthy and is able to finish the regular season out strong. But if he's able to somehow move the Suns up to number one seed and he continues to go off and plays the way he does, he could be a dark horse for the MVP. Yeah, obviously he's not going to be one of those eye-popping guys that you'll look at and be like, oh, Chris Paul, MVP candidate. But when you really break it down. He's eye-popping when you watch him, though. He's eye-popping oh, when you watch him. I mean, just watching the Suns this year, it's eye-popping. Like, him, the way him and D-Book have worked, I mean, this has not come as a shocker at all. I knew they were going to make the playoffs regardless. I, I had them, like, around a fifth to eighth seed anyways. And, yeah, being two is a little surprising. But at the same time, it doesn't surprise me that they're having success because Chris Paul is such a great role model and such a great, you know, leader for that team. So that doesn't come off as a surprise at all that they are – a successful team because once they got him and then once they got like Jay Crowder, guys like that and Deandre Ayton success, I knew that they were going to be a solid team. Uh, but that's, that's your top five. You were, you were done with that, right? Yes. sir. Okay. Well, sounds good. And I'm sure 
all the honorable mentions that I mentioned, they're probably up there with you as well in your top 10. So, all right, let's go ahead and get on in to the top five teams in the NBA. Preston, since I started the MVP candidates, you can start the teams. Go ahead and hit me with your list. Yeah, so my top five teams in the NBA this season. And are we doing as of right now, or are we doing as far as everybody being healthy? As of right now. Oh, crap. Well, that changes my list. As of right now, as of right now, I'm going to let you go first. I got to I gotta reformulate <laughs> this because there's too many injuries. Okay, okay. Well, here we go. As of right now, the top five teams in the NBA, number one, the Utah Jazz. Why? <laughs> okay, so here's why the Jazz are the number one team, in, in my opinion, right now. At one point in the season, they won 21 of the last 22 games and arguably the best three-point shooting team in the league. The concern right now with them, the only concern is how consistent they will stay throughout the playoffs. Because in my opinion, Preston, when I look at this team, there's nobody on that team, you know, outside of Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And it's really just Donovan Mitchell. Outside of that, I don't really see like an eye-popping guy on that team. So that kind of concerns me going into the playoffs because that could just be another 2014-2015 Atlanta Hawks team where they cruised through the regular season and then got to the playoffs and choked. So well, I, I mean, you, I guess you could say choke, but they just got beat by a better uh, Cavs team with LeBron. But anyways, yeah, I, I'm not – the Jazz, they're, they're not a team that, that's going to win the finals or going to get to the finals, in my opinion. I mean, prove me wrong, but I, I just don't think. But I, as of right now, in terms of regular season, they have been the best team in the NBA, and they, they've been playing great team basketball. And like I said, they kind of remind me of that Atlanta Hawks team, whether they do choke or not. Uh, Quinn Snyder. And, and another thing is Quinn Snyder. I think he's done a great job rebuilding that team over the years. You think about flashback about five or six years ago, they were awful and they had no assets, nothing going for them. So they've done a really good job, that organization being patient with Quinn Snyder and just letting him rebuild the team. And a lot of, you know, there was a lot of praise on Donovan Mitchell coming into his rookie year. And then after that, he, his sophomore, he had a little bit of a sophomore slump, but he's back in it. And for a guy that's only what? I think he's pretty small. He's only like six, two for a shooting guard. He's pretty small. And yeah, six, I think he's actually listed at six, one. Wow. He was six, three when he came into the league, but then they yeah. made sure to measure their trust, actual heights. <laughs> I don't trust any of that, man. I just, that's why I got to double check on the height, but yeah, he's an undersized shooting guard. And you know, that was concerning after his sophomore slump, but he's been able to come back and be one of the best players in the league borderline top 10, in my opinion. So he's been great. Uh, but yeah, Jazz are number one. Number two, I, there's not really much more to say. The Brooklyn Nets, I mean, there was a turning point in February where they just turned their team around after they had Harden, and they just started playing great team basketball. They have the same record as the Lakers right now. They will find one way or another to win the East. I think they'll find a way to get it done over the 76ers, and they'll have a better chance now that Embiid is going to be out for the next two weeks, and they're only a game back from the first seed. So they're going to be battling right there with the 76ers. I think when it's all said and done, even though they're, they might not have a better record right now, I mean, it's only one game, so you can really say who – you can really – it's a toss-up between those two. But in my opinion, the Nets are the best team in the East, and they're number two NBA team in the league right now. Uh, but, but, yeah, like I said, there was a turning point where they just kind of took over, and it was in February. And they ranked 26 on defense – they're, at, they're giving up 115.9 points allowed per game, and their bench hasn't been – I mean, they don't really have that much depth at the bench. So that's a little bit concerning. 
Uh, but their offense is insane. 121.1 points per game. Uh, and over the past 12 games, their defense has allowed less points per game. So their winning margin has doubled that. So that that's something to note when you, when you don't have a great defense, when their winning margin is doubling like that, that's, that's always a good thing. And so, and then Steve Nash, you know, maybe you can look at him and think of him as like a Steve Kerr type coach where he kind of needs more pieces around him to be, to be considered great, but he's found a way He's found a way to acquire free agents. He's uh, found a way to, to get trades. I mean, he got James Harden for crying out loud. He got Blake Griffin, who's a veteran. He, he should be back in about two weeks, which should help him. And yeah, he's not the same player he once was. He doesn't have the hops. He doesn't have the athleticism that he once had, but still a veteran and still going to help them try to get a championship. So second best team in the NBA, best team in the East, in my opinion. Number three, it's a team that's winning the East right now, the Philadelphia 76ers. They have the MVP favorite. Uh, so like I said, he's going to be back. Thankfully, it's nothing, uh, no structural damage to his knee. So he should be back pretty soon. They'll reevaluate him. Hopefully he's good. Uh, but like I said, the 76ers have been dominant at home for the past two seasons. They continue to roll in the regular season. Uh, they keep coming together. And their concern is, is consistency in the playoffs. Doc Rivers should help with that because he has, he has had NBA Finals experience. And he's a lot better than Brett Brown. I think Brett Brown has kind of ruined their mojo in the playoffs. But the 76ers have been great. I mean, you mentioned Tobias Harris being kind of like that dark horse guy on there, the best guy on their offense behind Embiid, and Ben Simmons being the front runner for defensive player of the year. But you got to look at their whole ro- their roster as a whole. I mean, Seth Curry's been absolutely amazing. Dwight Howard was a great addition off the bench. You got Danny Green, who sucked it up a little bit in the, the playoffs for the Lakers, but he's been playing better in the regular season. Uh, you got Matisse Thibel. You got, uh, I'm going to kind of butcher this, but Korkmaz. Is that how you say it? Korkmaz? Yeah, it's, it's, I'm pretty sure it's like Korkmaz. Yeah. Him and uh, Shake Milton are gems off the bench. Those two, those are really two solid players that have helped them. So 76ers are a great team right now. They will do better in the playoffs. I think their potential should be the Eastern Conference Finals. Actually, I could say their potential should be the Finals if the Nets, you know, get caught lacking, but I, I don't think they're they're as good enough to beat the Nets, unless Embiid just completely goes off in the playoffs. But I don't know. I still think the Nets are the, the better team. But yeah, 76ers, third on my list. Number four, the Los Angeles Lakers. They kind of took a step back without AD and like all the other reasons I mentioned earlier with LeBron James, but, you know, not the same team we thought we'd see coming after an amazing free agent. But like I said, they still have the best player in the world, AD will come back, and by the time the playoffs, they're going to start rolling. You know, they're still going to be the favorites going into that championship, and they're the defending champs until proven otherwise. So that's my number four. And then the last team, Preston, I don't know if you guessed it or not, but the Phoenix Suns, CP3, Devin Booker, playing well together, number two in the West right now. It's almost 100% certain that they will make the playoffs at this point, and that will be snapping their their 10-year playoff drought since Steve Nash was on that team. So the Suns have been playing amazing. I like what they're doing up there in Phoenix. They are cracking down my top five list at number five. All right, go ahead. You got your list now? I got my list. I got my list. It's um, it's a little different, but I got my list. My number one team is actually still the 76ers. I know when B just got hurt, I know he's going to be out the next couple of weeks. But prior to that, they have been the best team in the league to me. And I I know you can make a case for the Utah Jazz, but you look at their last 10 games, they've actually gone kind of cold. They've been four and six in their last 10, um, gone a little bit downhill. 
And they're actually looking to possibly give that number one seed up to the Suns, who have been playing really well. And then hopefully the Lakers can get back on track as well. Um, they're only, I think, two and a half, I think two and a half or three and a half games um, behind for that first seed. So number one, 76ers. Number two, I've got the Nets. Even without KD, they have been hooping. They've been playing really well. Harden's leading them close to that one seed. Number three, I've got the Phoenix Suns because they have been red hot. Chris Paul's been playing really well. Devin Booker's been playing really well, and they're finally starting to get their mojo going. Now, number four, I have the Jazz. They've fallen, a lot, fallen off a little bit the last 10 games just before um, and just after the All-Star break, but expect them to pick it up a little bit, And I, but I don't think they'll ever reach that, they, that level they were playing at the beginning of the season. I think they were just really hot, kind of like the Miami Heat were in the bubble, and they're going to still be a, a tough team to beat in the playoffs especially with the way Mitchell has played in the playoffs, uh, his rookie season and last year, he's obviously shown that he, he brings it come playoff time. So they will be a tough team to beat, but they will not be as good as they were at the beginning of the season. And all the other teams will be better. Now, number five is a toss up between a lot of teams. I was thinking about throwing the Clippers in there, but they haven't been playing that great. Um, but I'm just going to put the Lakers in there because, you know, LeBron James bottom line, you know, you put them up against any team, the Lakers are going to have a chance. They've lost some close ones, which has been frustrating. A lot of overtime games this year, and LeBron's been playing a lot of minutes. So I'm a little bit concerned about that. But I've got the Lakers at number five, and that is are my top five teams in the NBA right now. Yeah, I mean, if you want to make an argument with the Lakers and the Clippers, they're, the Clippers are only a half game back. So if, if anybody's going to make an argument, I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, the Bucks are right there, two and a half games back from the first seed in the East. The Heat have finally gotten a way to get it rolling. They're nine and one, but the East is just so much like easier than the West this year. The freaking Celtics are 19 and 18, and they are fifth seed right now. And if you have a 19 and 18 record in the West, you are not even a playoff team. So you're ninth seed right now. So that just that just shows you the level of like consistency that the West has right now. Uh, okay. Next one we're going to do is the most surprising from the East and the West, the most disappointing and the most underrated, both East and West Preston. Since I've gone, I had to go again on the first time. You can go this time if you're ready. Yeah. Most surprising teams from the West. First of all, I got to go with Utah jazz. Obviously nobody saw them having the one seed, you know, everybody expected them, you know, four seed would be a really good season for them. No one was really expecting one seed at all. And you can make a case for the Phoenix Suns being surprising, but I knew they were going to be good. I knew the addition of Chris Paul was exactly what they needed. And they went undefeated in the bubble and still didn't make the playoffs, which was crazy. In the East, the 76ers are the most surprising. A lot of people would say, okay, well, this is the way they should have been playing the last three seasons. Yeah, true, but it's still surprising the way, the way they've played, you know, especially after all the rumors that they were going to split up and beat in Simmons maybe trade Simmons, maybe trade Embiid, but they were able to get that Doc Rivers higher, and that was the difference for them, also adding a couple of shooters and just reevaluating the way they've gone about playing with Embiid and Simmons on the floor at the same time. Yeah, so for my most surprising teams uh, for the West, I got to go with the Jazz too. I agree with you. It was borderline between them and the Suns, but I agree with your reasons with the Suns. I think we all expected them to be good no matter what when they had CP3 and those other additions. And yeah, we didn't think they'd be number two seed good, but the Jazz, 
I don't think anybody would have had them over the Lakers being the number one seed. That was surprising. So I'm going to give the edge to them. And like I said, they won 21 out of 22 games at one point in the season. So definitely the most surprising for the East. I don't agree with the 76ers. I have the, I have the Knicks personally, because I didn't think the Knicks would be good at all. When you go into the season, I think the Knicks are going to be awful every time, but they're sitting six 2019. I mean, yeah, that's not good. They wouldn't be in a playoff team in the West, but I mean, Julius Randle has been playing pretty close to a top 10 MVP candidate. Uh, He was an all-star this year. And I just think the Knicks are finally trending in a better direction, getting some players out of there that they weren't using right. Like Dennis Smith Jr., I'm glad they got him out of there and he was able to kind of, you know, reevaluate his game in Detroit. So that's good for them. But I just think the Knicks are trending in a little bit of a better direction, not saying they're there yet. They're still the Knicks. But I did not expect them to be a playoff team. I, you know, I thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. The Magic right now are 13 and 25. Cavs are 14 and 23. Wizards disappointing 14 and 22. But I thought they would be around that range. But the fact that they are 20 and 19 and are a playoff team, despite being in the East, that's surprising to me. So they have been my most surprising team in the East. And like I said, I don't agree with the 76ers because last year I had the 76ers winning the East. It didn't end up working out for me. But I expect the 76ers to always be a top three seed with the roster that they have. So that's why they're not as surprising to me. Most disappointing, I'll go ahead and start this one, then you can kick it off. From the West, I think it's got to be the Dallas Mavericks. And I understand that COVID hit their team really bad early in the season. They're starting to put it together now, which is really good. I think both of these teams that are most disappointing for me are starting to put it together. So that is a good thing to note. Because the Mavericks are 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They did lose to the Thunder the other night because they decided to rest KP and Luka. I don't agree with that because their next eight games stretch, their next, I think, four-game stretch is against the Nuggets twice, or I think it's either the Nuggets twice or the Trailblazers twice, one or the other. But And you got to have those guys being ready to play the, all those games because you're sitting at the eighth seed. The Warriors are right there, a game behind you, so you got to be willing to excel and, and, and get that, you know, and keep that playoff hunt. But yeah, they've been playing like a playoff team. Luca's kind of getting back in the, uh, the groove. KP has been a lot more consistent. They just need, they're just one piece away. They're just one piece away. I hope they, they can make a move. It doesn't look like they're going to, I mean, I want a guy like Andre Drummond, but it doesn't look like he's going to come to us. But besides the point, they have been playing better, but for what we had them coming into the league, I think we all had them around a third or fourth seed, and they just haven't been that team at all. I get COVID affected their team, but still, it doesn't change the fact that at the beginning of the season, they just looked rough. So the Mavs being eighth seed right now, disappointing, and they're my most disappointing team in the West. The most disappointing team in the East, it's another team that is starting to put their, their group back together. The Miami Heat, 9-1 and one in their last 10 games, but they were a product of the bubble. I expected them to be consistent again but a lot of teams started to figure them out. I still think they're, you know, Pat Riley's a great GM, a uh, great owner. And I think Eric Spoelstra is a great coach, uh, but it comes to a level of extent where, you know, you can't play amazing all the time as a team. And they just, they got hot at the right time. Bam out of bio has been great this year, but like I said, they were more of a product of a bubble more than a consistent team. So yeah, Miami was just disappointing. But like, I mean, fourth in the East, easier conference, nine and one in the last 10 games are starting to put it together, kind of like the Mavericks. That's my most disappointing teams. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm happy that we uh, we have different teams. So that way we're just not talking about the same ones. Facts. 
most disappointing team in the West for me is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. And here's why. They almost made the playoffs last year. They made that playoff push when Zion came back from being injured. Brandon Ingram was an all-star last year. He wasn't an all-star this year. And we thought they were going to get better defensively, especially with the signing of Steven Adams. But turns out Steven Adams just isn't really that great of a fit. And I think he's kind of in the wrong era. He can't do anything. He's just a big body, um, super strong, good rebounder, good teammate, um, can set really hard screens, but I don't think he's a great fit for the Pelicans. Um, so they, they haven't improved that much defensively, or I, I think they've actually gotten worse defensively. And, you know, I expected Brandon Ingram um, to have a better season this year and kind of guarantee himself as, or solidify himself as a future all-star for many, many years. Like, I just don't want him to be like D'Lo where he had one uh, amazing all-star season and then kind of tapered off after that. Well, I the expect Nets did. To con- oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say the Nets did kind of screw him over too. They didn't really give him another chance. Yeah, the Nets definitely screwed him over, but I want Brandon Ingram to step it up and I want that team to actually start winning games. And also I think they didn't hit in the draft. Kira Lewis. Obviously, he's a rookie, so it's hard to tell, but I, I didn't think that was a good pick for them. He's just super athletic. He's super, Yeah, he's super fast, and that's about it. Yeah, he's super fast and athletic, flashy, but he doesn't really have too much to his game for an NBA. Yeah. For an NBA-ready player, you know what I mean? At, at first, I was against Van Gundy's way of using Zion offensively, kind of as the, the main pick-and-roll guy. But it, I'm actually all for it now. I think they just need to mix it up and get Brandon Ingram more involved as well. It can't just be Zion. I think they got to get Brandon Ingram going more, get his confidence up, run the offense through him a bit more. So that way they solidify him as the number two option. Because if he gets going and Zion is going, they're going to be a tough team to beat, um, especially as they continue to grow and mature. And that team just needs to get better defensively. And it's probably looking like Van Gundy's going to get fired anyways after this season because they, they brought him back. What, he hadn't coached a team in like, what, 13 years or something like that? So it didn't work out. Yeah, well, you know, it's unusual for a Van Gundy team to be struggling defensively. And, you know, a lot of people expected them to turn it around by now, but that hasn't been the case. And so that's why they're the most disappointing team to me. As far as in the East, I've got the Celtics as the most disappointing. I mean... Come on, man. Like, what was it? 2016, Jason Tatum's rookie year. They were one game away from going to the finals without Kyrie Irving. Bro, like, come on. And now they've got Kemba. Kemba's been struggling all season. He's he's played better recently. But, man, oh, man, oh, man, is this team frustrating. You know, if I was a Celtics fan, I'd be pissed. Luckily, I'm a Lakers fan, so Celtics fans can go screw themselves. <laughs> Honestly, I was borderline between them and the Heat. I, just, I think I picked the Heat because I expected the Heat to be better. So that's the only reason they made it over them. But yeah, the Celtics are just... Kimball Walker, he hasn't had a good season, but I just don't think he fits Brad Stevens' system. Kind of like Kyrie Irving. And he's also been dealing with knee injuries. Yeah, so yeah. he's he's not able to stop and explode out the way he used to. And, yeah. you know, that's messed up everything, including his jump shot. Yeah, but I think Stevens is just like, at this point, like whatever they're trying to do doesn't work. And Jason Tatum, I think a lot of a lot of people judge him for this reason. I think he should be judged for this reason. And post game press conferences, he just doesn't have that fire to him. Like you know, when when somebody loses, like when LeBron loses, he's pissed, right? Like he 
he ignites that fire and he's like, wow, okay, we're not going to, we're not going to let that happen again. Jason Tatum is kind of like too humbled on himself. And he's just like, he sits there and he just kind of accepts it instead of just like, no, like don't accept it. Like literally get pissed off from that, be motivated from that and will your guys to win. Like, don't just sit there and be like, oh, we could have played better. We could have did that. No, go show that you can play better. Like you're a top 15 player in the NBA. You got to be able to do that. Jalen Brown has been playing great this year too. So that they have great players on their team. Their bench is a little sus, but they they have a team to to be successful. And they just have been disappointing. They are they are trending in a better direction these past few games, kind of like the Heat. But yes, I agree. The Celtics they have made two Eastern Conference Finals in the past what four years, and. They haven't been able – and after that, like you said, after Jason Tatum's rookie year when they were one game without Kyrie, and now look at them. Now they can't – now it seems like they they can't even make it. They they can't even get close to it. So last year they just got outplayed in the the bubble against the Heat. But point is, is they have been a disappointing team this year. But that's my only thing on Tatum is like he – it just seems like he he doesn't really like – he doesn't really have that like – Yeah, he doesn't have that – he doesn't have that fire right now. It just seems kind of like he's settled down. You know, he, I know he had it. He, he had his son. So, you know, he's, he's very family focused and family driven, which is good for him. You want to see these guys happy, but if you want to take that team to your neck to the next level, you've got to have that fire and that will like, bro, we're not losing. Like, look at what Donovan Mitchell has like, look at what Donovan Mitchell has, bro. Yeah. And okay. So if they keep playing like what they're playing right now, if they played the the nets right now in the playoffs, would they win a game with KD healthy? They'd get swept because that's a, that's actually a really good matchup for the nets. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, they're going to make the playoffs, but see what they do. And then underrated team. I'll start this off underrated. I got the Spurs and I think the Spurs being the seventh seed right now, they, I mean, you look at their roster, DeMar DeRozan is most likely going to be on his way out. LaMarcus Aldridge, they already parted ways with him. But the Spurs just have a really underrated roster. I didn't expect them to be in the playoff hunt at all. I definitely didn't expect them to have a better record than the Mavericks right now. But they've been a solid team this year. And you got guys like you know Trey Lyles off the bench who's been decent. You have Jacopoto. You have DeJounte Murray. Uh, you got Lonnie Walker, Patty Mills. Rudy Gay has been playing decent. You got Devin Vassell. They have a lot of underrated players. Nobody that really stands out but they, they have been an underrated team. And that's, that's why I think they're an underrated team. They're seventh seed in the West. They might make the playoffs. Unfortunately, didn't make the playoffs this past year. And that was their first time in 20, 21 years, 22 years that they hadn't made the playoffs. And I thought Popovich was, was just going to call it there, but he's still, he's still, he's still going, man. And I think he's getting, uh, he's getting that, uh, that girl coach ready too. I forgot her name. Do you remember her name? Becky Hamlin. Yes, he's going to get he I think he's kind of like setting up the team for her to be in good hands. So then like she can kind of like, you know, be the next person in line to kind of lead them to to a consistent playoff teams. But yeah, I think that's why he's the only reason that he's he's still there. And but yeah, I did not expect them to be seventh. And then uh, underrated on the east side. I mean, call me like cliche but i have the knicks i did not think the knicks like i said would have a winning record at all and i did not think julius randall would be playing this good six seed in the east right now like i said the conference is weak but at the same time when you think new york knicks you think poverty so that's my most underrated team in the east 
Yeah, I got the same as you in the West. I got the Spurs as well. It's crazy how, you know, the Spurs don't make the playoffs one year for the first time in 20 years, 20 plus years. And then all of a sudden this year, they're, nobody expects them to make the playoffs just because they didn't make the playoffs last year. So they're looking like they're going to make the playoffs this year. DeMar DeRozan snubbed for the All-Star game. In the East, I've got a different pick. I've got Charlotte as um, my underrated team in the East. Obviously, we get a lot of stuff about LaMelo Ball on our feed. You're going to get LaMelo Ball this, LaMelo Ball that, Melo versus Melo. Melo, 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 Melo. And Scary Terry. But, and Scary Terry. But what people don't realize is that they've actually been winning these games. Like, it's not like some rookies where, like, Zion was, like, doing, like, amazing or whatever, and he'd constantly be on their feed, but they'd be losing. Like, they've actually been winning their games. They're, I think they're right at 500. And the next, the Knicks are a good pick for an underrated team, for sure, because everybody thought they were going to be terrible. But I think everybody realizes they're good now. Charlotte, you know, I think people are still sleeping on them. I think they're going to be a playoff team. And I don't think they'll be an easy bounce. You know, Gordon Hayward's been playing a lot better as well. Obviously, he's overpaid. And <laughs> Jordan, Jordan pays a lot just to barely just to barely make the playoffs. So Dude, that's what I'm saying. And that's another reason why I think the Celtics are disappointing. Because look at Gordon Hayward. Look at Gordon Hayward with, uh, with Celtics. Everyone blamed it, blamed it on, oh, it's from that compound fracture. He's just not the same player anymore. But get, guess what? He leaves Brad Stevens' system, and now look at him. Now he's just having a, a comeback season. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if it's necessarily Brad Stevens' system. I think he's kind of like a, a high-volume guy, a type of guy who needs to, to get in a rhythm um, in order to play well. When he's not getting those touches that he usually gets, and the system isn't really built for him, then um, he has a tougher time on, on just limited touches. But he's getting his touches in Charlotte. Well, I mean, like you said, you said it pretty well a second ago. I'm glad we don't have the exact same teams for everything so we can like talk a little bit more about this. But <laughs> I was so close to having the same teams as you. I mean, when you look at most disappointing teams, I almost had the Celtics. When you look at underrated, I almost had the Hornets. So we're all, we're, we're on the same page. We, we, we have the same uh, analysis on things. So that's always a good thing, but yeah, NBA season, mid season, the all-star break just ended last Sunday. So we are in the full front row seat to get to the playoffs at this point, but the playing games don't start till May, but I wanted to get another NBA episode in because March madness is going to be ramping up here in the next week or so. And then after that, it's going to be, NFL free agency and all other stuff. So we won't be able to have a chance to talk much NBA until the play-in games happen. So I wanted to get this episode in. Preston, you got anything else to add? Because if not, March Madness, baby, here we come. Um, I only got one more thing to add. I'm hype, baby. Let's go. (laughs) 
All right, what a way to end the podcast. Preston and I jam into March Madness. <laughs> That's funny. But I wish you guys could have saw us dancing there. I mean, uh, you won't see this, but it will be there. Post it on Insta, bro. I might. I might post it on the Instagram page. If you, yeah, y'all be sure to follow the Rick Six Podcast Instagram page because we'd be popping on there. Appreciate you guys joining. Like I said, March Madness is going to be ramping up here. I, like we're going to be busy on Rick six. So y'all don't go anywhere. I literally have a schedule planned out of everything going on, like from up here and all the way till freaking the summer and till season three happens for Rick six. So I am ready to go. I'm ready to roll. I have scheduled dates. They will just accord. We'll just accord accordingly a little bit with Preston's schedule and everything else. We'll get Gledhill back for some of the mock drafts and other things for NBA or NFL, excuse me, but we ain't going anywhere. We ain't going anywhere. Our selection show will be our next episode. That is coming. Let's get it, baby. Preston, you got anything else? That's it. All right. We will see you guys next week for the selection show of March Madness. Have a good one.